Now I'm very grateful to Duncan for leading us through last week's reading from uh, the end of Matthew 17 on the temple tax. And today we move on to Matthew 18, uh, which is the fourth block of Jesus' teaching that we find in Matthew's Gospel. So if you have your Bible there, uh, please do turn back to Matthew 18 and verses 1 through to 9. Now it's great when a a plan comes together, isn't it? And um, kind of organise the children's talks uh, quite far in advance. Uh, I'd forgotten we were doing Kingdom this morning, but very much fitted in uh, with our reading, uh, which is for today. Because Matthew 18, uh, 1 to 9, really deals with the kingdom of heaven. And as in response to the disciples coming to Jesus and asking, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Now in the parallel versions of uh, this story, uh, in Mark's gospel and in Luke's gospel, this discussion about the greatest of the kingdom of heaven comes from an argument that the disciples have been having amongst themselves as to who is the greatest. And you might notice from the gospels that Quite often we see the disciples bickering among themselves, arguing among themselves, you know, trying to push themselves forward and saying that they are uh, the greatest. Now, at one level, that seems very childish, doesn't it? Very, you know, it's it's playground stuff, isn't it? Do you remember back to your uh, school dates? And there were always arguments who is the strongest? Who is the fastest, the cleverest? And here are the disciples arguing about who is the greatest. But of course, even though these kind of discussions belong in the playground, they prevail into adulthood too, don't they? For, for all of us. Just sometimes in more subtle ways. We're, we're better at, at hiding these things. Or we're more subtle about going about them. You see, we want to keep up with our neighbour, don't we? We are driven by ambition at work. We want to leave a legacy. We want to be remembered. Quite often in our own way, we can sometimes have discussions about trying to be the greatest. We'd never say that. But that's really what's happening. You see, we can spill over, can't we, in trying to be great. And many believe this is why we have the huge problems in Russia and Ukraine at the moment. Because there is a leader in Russia who's trying to leave a legacy, who wants to be remembered, who wants to be great. Now the question that we have it here in Matthew 18 is a slightly different one because it's about greatness in the kingdom of heaven. What is it to be great in the kingdom of heaven? You see, by now the disciples have grasped that Jesus is a king. He's much, in fact, he's even more than a king. He's the Messiah. He's the very son of God. But he is bringing in a kingdom. And they want to be part of it. They want to be part of this kingdom. Indeed, James and John later ask to sit at Jesus' right and left 
in the kingdom of heaven. So these disciples, they have ambition. But of course, it's misplaced ambition, isn't it? Now, the first thing I want you to notice this morning is not what Jesus says, but what Jesus doesn't say. Because it's quite telling, isn't it? Because if you had been blatantly arguing about who is the greatest and asking the question of Jesus, then you might have expected a rebuke from Jesus. Certainly the disciples should have done. Why are you asking this question? Do you not think Jesus would have been frustrated if you'd been in Jesus' shoes? Oh, they're speaking again about who is the greatest. Oh, so annoying, so frustrating. And yet Jesus doesn't seem frustrated, doesn't he? Does he? And he doesn't rebuke them. Or certainly he doesn't rebuke them in the way that they might expect or in the way they might expect. Instead, he answers their question. And in this, we see how the kingdom of heaven that Jesus brings in is very different to the way that the disciples thought about a kingdom. And it's very different from what we would commonly think about when it comes to a kingdom. Because a kingdom's all about power, isn't it? It's all about power and authority and dominion. It's about a hierarchy. That's what a kingdom is. But the kingdom of heaven is very different. And to illustrate this, Jesus brings a, a little child into the midst of these disciples. And it, it must have been quite a sight. A little child surrounded by Jesus and these, these 12 disciples. How powerless this child must have looked in the midst of these men. And Jesus says, Truly I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, if you think about it, that is a stunning statement that Jesus makes, isn't it? A stunning statement. If you get nothing else out of this today, go back, think about that statement that Jesus makes and meditate on it for the rest of the week. Because it's stunning. You see, these disciples had followed Jesus nearly for three years by this point. They'd witnessed his miracles. They had heard his teaching with authority. They'd been out on field trips, so to speak. They'd gone out on mission. They had done miracles themselves in Jesus' name. They had cast out demons in Jesus' name. And yet here, in the midst of them, was a little child, powerless, lowly. And Jesus says, unless you become like this little child, you will never enter the kingdom. Indeed, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Wow. Stunning, isn't it? The disciples had a lot to learn. You see, entering the kingdom is not about being great. It's about following Jesus. And who is Jesus? Jesus is the suffering servant. He is the one, even though he is the Lord of glory, 
He's the one who wraps a towel around himself at the Last Supper and washes the disciples' feet. Can you imagine the Queen coming to your house and doing that? That'd be quite something, wouldn't it? Comes to your house in Skelmerley or West Kilbride or Largs or wherever you're from. And the Queen comes and says, just take your socks off. I'm just going to wash your feet. You would be horrified, wouldn't you? Oh, not my feet, they stink. No way, definitely not. And yet here's Jesus, the King of kings, the Lord of glory, washing the disciples' feet. He is the servant king, the one who came not to be served, but to serve. You see, Jesus is giving the disciples an example to follow, that if they truly want to enter the kingdom and be great in it, then you need to become childlike. Not childish, childlike in faith and in trust. You see, it's not selfish ambition that makes us great. It's following in the steps of Jesus and following his example of humility. And I wonder in our lives if we've really, really got that. Have we really understood what Jesus is saying here? You see, even within the church, we can fall into the trap of playing power games, can't we? Lording it over others, trying to push ourselves forward, pushing others down on the way through. When actually, we're called to serve one another. We're called to to build one another up and not to tear down. So positively this morning, to be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven, The disciples must mirror the humble position of this little child. And so must we. There's a contemporary Christian song which I like. And at the beginning of the song it it talks about what the world wants us to do. But then it goes on to say what really matters. And it says this. Make it count. Leave a mark. Build a name for yourself. Dream your dreams, chase your heart. Above all else, make a name the world remembers. But all an empty world can sell is empty dreams. I got lost in the light when it was up to me to make a name the world remembers when Jesus is the only name to remember. All the kingdoms built, all the trophies won, will crumble into dust when it's said and done. Because all that really mattered, did I live the truth to the ones I love? Was my life the proof that there is only one whose name will last forever? And the chorus says this, and I don't want to leave a legacy. I don't care if they remember me. Only Jesus. And I've only got one life to live. I'll let every second point to him. Only Jesus. Only Jesus. Is that who our life points towards? Or are we truly, when we examine our own hearts, really concerned only with ourselves and concerned only with our own greatness? 
And sometimes, you know, when we think that way, we think, you know, that's how God accepts me. You know, if I do well in my life, that's how God accepts me. Whereas God says to us, it's faith in Jesus that makes you acceptable in my sight. It doesn't matter who you are. It's only Jesus. And so firstly, we are to enter the kingdom like a little child. But secondly, in our passage this morning, and more negatively, the disciples must refrain from causing those who believe in Jesus to stumble. And we really find this from verses 5 through to 9. In verse 5, Jesus says, Whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. In other words, we are to welcome people into the kingdom, especially the lowly, especially the downtrodden. And then there's a serious warning, isn't there, from verses 6 to 9. Maybe you were shocked by it when Stephen read it for us uh, this morning. Because Jesus uses some quite graphic language, doesn't he? Now, what's Jesus so concerned with? Well, he's concerned that people are not misled and that people are not turned away from the kingdom of heaven. He is concerned that people are not caused to stumble. Because by causing others to stumble, you're showing that you're not truly of the kingdom either. That's what Jesus is saying. And so Jesus says it's better for someone to have a millstone hung round their neck and to be drowned rather than to mislead someone. Now that seems quite drastic, doesn't it? Now in those days when they were milling corn or wheat or barley, I'm not a farmer, I don't understand these things. They used to have two big millstones and there was a top one and a bottom one. And a donkey would would pull around the the millstone uh, so that the grain was um, ground down. And what Jesus is saying here is, you know, it would be better for a person to to have a a huge big millstone put around their neck and drown than to mislead someone in terms of the kingdom. Woe to them, Jesus says. We're not to cause other people to stumble. Now, that seems quite drastic, doesn't it? What is Jesus saying there? But this is Jesus' point. You see, we long, don't we, for people to come into the kingdom. And Jesus wants to make sure that people are not tempted away from the kingdom. And there will be severe consequences for those who do tempt people to stumble. For those who do pull people away from the kingdom and try and pull them in a different direction. Jesus says there are consequences. And then Jesus goes on to speak about our hands and feet and eyes. If they cause us to stumble, to cut them off. So, so the first thing with the millstone is about us misleading other people. But the second thing is more personal. If there are things in our life that are causing us to stumble, in terms of the kingdom of heaven, we need to cut them off. You see, just like the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus counsels dramatic action to remove sources of temptation. Now, we've got to realize here, we're not literally saying this. Okay, Jesus is 
is using hyperbole here, hyperbole. We're not meant to take these things literally. But what Jesus is saying here is that if you're tempted away from the kingdom, whatever is tempting you, that needs to be cut off in your life. If there's something in your life that is pulling you away from the kingdom, that is pulling you away from the faith, we need to cut it off. And we're certainly not to be the cause of temptation for other people and to lead them away from the kingdom. Now, this is serious stuff that Jesus is talking about here. And the reason for this is found in verse 9, where where a contrast is made. You see, the kingdom of heaven is all about life. Now, as we've gone through Jesus' ministry, we've seen it's about life, hasn't we? Haven't we? It's about Jesus coming into the world and bringing life and hope, bringing healing, bringing forgiveness, showing us the right way to go. He's showing us the right way to life. But if we fall into complete apostasy, or if we tempt others away from the kingdom, there are consequences. And therefore, it's better to enter life maimed than it is to be thrown into the eternal fire, the fire of hell that Jesus says here. Because in the kingdom of heaven, there is life. Better to cut off, cut something off your body so that you get to life because you don't want to go to the other place. That's what Jesus is saying. That's what Jesus is laying before us. Now, I don't know about you, I want to go to the place of life. I want to be part of the kingdom of heaven. I don't want to go to the other place. So we see today, that to enter the kingdom of heaven isn't about being powerful, isn't a pecking order of hierarchy. It's about following Jesus with childlike faith, trusting in him in humility, following his example. And we are to welcome others into the kingdom and not to lead them astray. If we lead others astray, we're in serious bother. And we're not to be led astray ourselves. And and if we are, if there are things in our life that are, are leading us away from our faith in Jesus, we need to cut that part off of our life. That we might be brought back to a place of faith and life. You see, I don't know about you this morning, but I want to be in the kingdom of heaven. Do you not long to be in the kingdom of heaven? Are there not times in your life you think, I just long to to be there with Jesus, to be in the presence of God. That's why we're living out our life here on earth. That's why we have faith after all. Because we want to be with God forever and ever. I want to be with Jesus. I want to know hope. I want to know life. I don't want to know death and destruction and hell. I don't want to know these things. You see, I want to be part of this upside-down kingdom that, that Jesus brings in. What about you today? Do you really want it? Do you really want to come into the kingdom? 
Or are we truly just thinking about ourselves? Are we just thinking, oh, just thinking about what I'm going to have for lunch today. I'm just thinking about my job. I'm distracted. Or do we see that we're, we're thinking about eternal things here today? Things that really, really matter. In fact, nothing matters more than this. He might come into the kingdom. I want to be part of this upside-down kingdom. What about you? You see, it isn't about us being great. It's about us pointing towards the one who's truly great, pointing towards Jesus, is humbly serving him, and is drawing others into the kingdom of heaven. What a wonderful privilege that is. You see, when you come to a passage like this, you can only humbly thank God for all he has done for us in Jesus and say it's nothing. I don't deserve anything. It's all about what Jesus has done. And therefore I can only come with the faith like a little child and say thank you God so much for loving me. And when we understand what Jesus has done for us, when we come to faith in him, then we're called to go and make disciples that others might come into the kingdom of heaven. And let me tell you something today. Sometimes people think Christianity is boring. Sometimes people think that, you know, Christianity is just about laws and it will spoil your fun. It's rubbish being a Christian. I want to tell you this morning, and if you're a Christian here today, you know this deep in your heart, there is nothing more exciting than being a Christian. Nothing more exciting. It's a wonderful thing to thank God and to have that relationship with God and to have that calling on your life. Sometimes people are lost in their life. They don't know what they should be doing. And yet when you're in the kingdom, you have a calling, you have a purpose to draw others into the kingdom that they too might live to God's glory. I found a poem this week that really spoke to my own heart. It's a it's a Dutch poem. I've got no idea who wrote it, um, but I came across it in a book that I was reading and it really fitted in uh, with our passage today. And it's called Make Me, O Lord, a Child Again. And as we finish today, maybe you just want to close your eyes and just listen uh, to, this, uh, to this poem. And then we'll pray just after that. Make me, O Lord, a child again, so tender, frail and small, in self possessing nothing, and in you possessing all. O Saviour, make me small once more, that downward I may grow, and in this heart of mine restore the faith of long ago. With you may I be crucified, no longer I that lives. O Saviour, crush my sinful pride. By grace which pardon gives. Make me, O Lord, a child again, obedient to your call, in self possessing nothing, and in you possessing all. Shall we just pray? Heavenly Father, in this passage today we see how the disciples got it so wrong that they were filled with selfish ambition. They wanted 
uh, to be the greatest. And Lord God, if we're honest, sometimes in our lives we live our lives that way. We push ourselves forward. We are concerned about earthly things. We're concerned about leaving a legacy uh, for ourselves. And we give little thought to you. But we thank you that in Jesus we have a great example. An example of humility. Because Jesus is the servant king. He is the one who laid his glory by. Coming into this dark and needy world. Coming as the saviour of the world. He is the suffering servant. The one who is willing to go to Calvary's hill. The one who is willing to be crucified there for all our sin, for all our shame. So that when we believe and trust in him, we might know forgiveness. That we might know hope and that we might know life. And Lord God, as we look at this passage today, we recognize it's all about life. Because Jesus longs for us to come into the kingdom of heaven. He longs for us to come into the presence of the Father. And Lord God, that is the desire of our own hearts. That we would come into the kingdom. And as we come before you this morning, Lord God. We ask for forgiveness. For those times when we've thought only of ourselves. Forgiveness for those times when we have misled others. And drawn them away from the kingdom. And Father, as we think about our own lives, perhaps we think through things in our lives which are not God-glorifying and which need to be cut off. And Father, we pray that you would give us the courage to do exactly that. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful for the God that you are and all that you have done for us. And we pray today that we might be excited about our faith, excited about all that you have done, and that we might know the joy of our salvation. So, Heavenly Father, speak to us through your word today, we pray. For we pray these things in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen.